innovation is in our veins Soon the whole world will know our names Sharing our knowledge and freedom reign We here for the people, you know it's our way Setting foundations is part of the dream It doesn't matter if you're new to the game Listen up now, cause we all gon' say Ugh. Elevate, elevate, elevate Higher, elevate, elevate, elevate Higher, we gon' rise up Welcome to the Elevate Podcast, everyone. It's so great to have you all on one more time. It's your boy, Josh Dalton, and we're grateful to be back on with you yet again. Did you hear that? Because I just got lit up, the, baby. The. It's uh, We have electricity in the air. We have a great episode planned for y'all. Dude, an amazing episode, especially off the back of my comments. To be fair, uh, <laughs> to be fair, uh, I really had to face the farmer on this one. <laughs> and me and my big mouth. Um, but it's a good show. Yeah, it's a dang good show. And we'll give you some context before we jump into it. So those who watch the show, we got into some trouble. Uh, we saw a TikTok, or sorry, a, a tweet on Twitter. of In a passing moment, yeah, well, like through the breeze. Yeah, we weren't paying much attention to it, but a farmer was dumping 30,000 liters saying the government made him do it. Which sounds bad to a consumer. Yeah, 100%. Especially those who are already traumatized by what our government's done to us over the past couple of years. And so we talked on it. Yeah. And so we just had a chat about it. And apparently... I was wrong. We were wrong. Oh, thanks, man. We're in this together, man. Thanks, man. So <laughs> we had Courtney Boyce on the show with us. And uh, great time talking to her. Fantastic. An amazing show. Eighth generational farmer. Work as an agricultural consultant. Mm-hmm. And has a lot of knowledge, and she hit, she she drops some knowledge on us. And she's quick with the facts, man. She knows her stuff. She does, and she also made sure, for good measure, roast us in the process. I know, both of us. Yeah, I had a comment, admittedly, but <laughs> what can I say? You gotta, you know what? We've always said you gotta talk with conviction. I spoke conviction, and I had to eat crow. It's a fair game. How it works. I cannot support the game if I'm not once a player. Amen to that, brother. Amen. Awesome. Well, before any further ado, here. Is the show. No, it's so I do have a quick question um, about you talk about how you're an eighth generation farmer. Okay. So, so please in talk about 1784. This. We're going way three. back. Oh my gosh, I love that year. <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> the first boys came over and got a land deed for a couple acres and we have not left. We've just expanded it. And then when my grandfather went back to take over the farm, there was like six old cows he was milking. He had a field of turnips that he did by hand to take to a market and shipped cream on a train. And then in the 50s, he started buying blueberry land because there's a lot in our area and everybody was kind of figuring out how to process the low bush blueberries. Back then, it was literally wild blueberries. Like, they were just there. Now it's a little different. Mm. So between then, uh, when my grandparents got married, they put some money in the farm and my grandma's a boss. She... <laughs> couldn't drive a car before they got married and she learned how to drive tractors to do work while they got the farm started till they could hire people. So then my dad and my uncles eventually took over and now we're milking about 170 cows. We have like five or 600 acres of blueberry land and some woodlot as well. Wow. We, we were talking about this off the air. I was like, that is such an achievement for a family to maintain and grow like that amount of, of, of land. It's, it's the Vanderbilts couldn't even do that. Yeah, like, you don't. <laughs> Come at me, Vanderbilts. <laughs> like, like, I think, especially, like, in my generation, we are such a sell it and get the money for it generation. Yeah. So that's such a treasure. At the point where we get to, and I mean beforehand, you don't have to be eight generations. Like, the land is another member of your family. It means something yeah. way more like than that. It a, is a part of you and where you came from and who you are. Do you have the original deed? Yes. Oh. It's framed in my parents' house. Of course it is, as it should be. And, like, my great-great-grandfather built their house, and we have a china tea set he had that no one's allowed to breathe near, so. <laughs> Can't get near that. Yeah. The, the classic Nova like, Scotia china cabinet. It'll be yours one day, Courtney, and I'm like, is someone going to move it to my house for me? Because I'm not. So do you, how far from the farm do you live now? On the farm. Oh, so you're, so, so you're on the land. Voices don't leave gore. Oh, my bad, my bad, my bad. I forgot that. That's the she rule. She just works here. <laughs> Come on. So when my grandparents retired, mm-hmm. they built a new house across the road from the farm. And I live in their old house. Oh, wow. <laughs> you say that was your grandparents? Mm-hmm. That's kind of special, too, though. Yeah. Yeah. 
So is there something like set up like in your family, like a, like a trust or something along those lines where these are the rules when people have to move on onto the land? Like, there, is there even an option like, hey, I think I want to move to the city and pursue a, a life in tech. Is there anything like that I allowed? two cousins who are doctors. One that's a business owner and lives like half an hour away. We're allowed to leave. Okay. We just mostly don't. <laughs> Gotcha. And like my so it's grandfather, not, a cult. <laughs> not quite. We're on, not on, on the air. It's not. <laughs> but like my grandfather was the youngest of twelve kids, and he was the only one that came back to the farm. But he only had two brothers, and obviously the girls didn't take the farm. And his two older Except brothers didn't want it. Yeah. And then she came in. She whipped she, them into shape. She is the reason. She was also like an orphan, so like pretty badass. Wow. Both her parents died before she was like ten, and she lived with her aunt and uncle, and. Then did this. She was she gonna run the show. the show. Made sure all the bills were paid. That's like all the kids learned how to do things. Impressive. That's so impressive. So wow, we love to see it. So, oh, let's we'll be honest with our with our listeners on this one. So the reason you're on the show <laughs> is because I've got a fat mouth. No. <laughs> <laughs> the funniest thing, obviously, is resulting back to an episode we had just a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and this point, and it was just something that came up on our Twitter. Uh, our, as we talked yeah, about to, it, to be fair, that that was totally unplanned. Yeah, it wasn't a part of the show. Our cameras were down. We talked about this, and they came back up, and we just happened to be talking about this at the time. And we're just like, "Yeah, we'll leave it in the show." Yeah. Seems like it was fun. It lasted a minute, and then as I do, I we feel the need to insert my opinion, and I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. So at least not just me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it goes. And we posted on TikTok, which probably was the mistake. And everyone came at us about this. You're wrong. You're idiots. People did call us idiots this time. Um, Fair. We, Fair. Were, we were dumb. I'll take it. And uh, I was like, yeah, yeah, we are city boys. I understand. And I just came across a tweet that, of a portion of our show that just happened to make it into the show. It wasn't supposed to be a part and of it. You turned into a TikTok. This was yeah. a targeted event. Yeah, like 100%. Me. Oh, yeah. Actually, it was to get you canceled off the show. Yeah. I forgot about that. Taking over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You got to go. Hostile takeover yeah. here. <laughs> and so... You saw the TikTok and you emailed us and you're just like, yeah, there's some, you put it in a very light sense, but there's some, some misinformation, some misunderstandings of how this all works. Oh, by the way, that's the best way. I think that was the greatest feedback we could have gotten because the TikTok comments that are mean, they don't go, they go nowhere. Well, I saw the comments and I was about to like reply to a comment being like, oh, they were like, oh, the dairy mafia when I was going to reply and I was like, better take a breather. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I had a so, sit yeah. and I was like. How can I deal with this? And then I sent an email and then I called my fiance. I'm like, who the hell emails a podcast? <laughs> what podcast replies? And he was like, uh, you, I take it. It's like, oh, I was like, they were talking about that guy who dumped milk. And he went, oh, okay. <laughs> Got you all fired up. Yeah. 100% the best way to get feedback though, because it is meaningful. Yeah. Hi at lvpodcast.ca, please. It's email an easy, us. easy email address too. It's very easy to find. Yeah. Yeah. True. That too as well. And so it was a great email you, you sent to us and you kind of, you laid out what your story was, who you are, where you're coming from. And you're just like, yeah, there's just a little bit more to the story than meets the eye. You know, I would love to talk to you about it. And again, to make clear to our listeners that there's no point you were intending to come on the show. No, I had to, I had to, talk, I, I had to talk you into it. Cause I, we had such a great conversation. I was like, there's so much juice here. We got it. We got to squeeze this lemon. And it took me, uh, sure. it took about five minutes, five minutes to convince you. To say that. <laughs> Wait, am I not allowed? <laughs> Seems offensive. <laughs> I don't know. You're the misogynist, not me. <laughs> right, cancel, my bad. cancel. Yeah. Uh, here we are. Anyways, so we brought you on the show. We got here. I guess to give more clarity to people who may miss that episode, we were kind of going over a tweet where a guy dumped thirty thousand liters of milk down the toilet, figuratively, sort of, and because he can't sell it because he yeah. has a quota that he has to meet. The government says you can't go over this. And if you do go over it, you cannot sell it. It's all got to go. Seems like to the. To, to me as a consumer. To me as a jabroni. Yeah. Seems like, yeah, it seems like a bad idea. Wasting food is bad. This happens a lot in our society. I think that for me, it triggered an emotion because I've seen other industries where food just goes to waste. You could do something good with it mm-hmm. and it just goes. So that was my, per- how I was feeling. But as you're saying, there's there's a system here in place in Canada that farmers have to abide by. Whether we can debate the system later, it, it, I'm interested in that type of debate. Um, but walk us through kind of what is expected of a dairy farmer in Canada and what are the rules? Okay, so the quota system was set up 
to mimic supply and demand. We make the exact amount of milk that we can sell or turn into cheese butter, whatever. Exactly what we need is what we're making. And that keeps overproduction, things going bad, underproduction in the off season. Because what if you wanted to calve seasonally and only have calves in the spring and then you would make no milk in the winter when your cows are dried off? I like to have my cereal in the winter also. So I'm pretty pro that. So everybody has an allotment. You purchase your kgs of butterfat quota, and that is your right to it's a lobster license. You buy a lobster right. license to fish lobster. Same idea, yep. but different. So you know how much you can produce. And of course, like there's some plus minus in that. And you have your up days and your down days, and they kind of even it out at the end. And if everybody has an up day on the same day, well, maybe they make some extra butter. Right. The processes are set up to collect the milk as it comes. They're set up for the amount they know they're going to get because they know what they're going to get. So they know what they can produce on any given day of the year because they know how many cows are being milked. So everything is just happy and it works together and it's great. And you fill your quota or if you can't fill your quota, you can lease your quota. If I have some disaster, a barn fire and 10 cows die. If I can't fill my quota, I can lease it to my neighbor who can then overproduce. Like there's a, a system uh, in place for things like that. You sell your quota on the exchange, you buy your quota on the exchange, you can lease your quota out. So there's all kinds of things like that built in for things like this. So when you have a dairy cow, you are feeding her like she is a pro athlete. There are nutritionists and there are crop managers and there are vets and they're coming to you. And they're sampling all of the different portions of your feed and crafting a recipe so that you're hitting all of your energy and protein and all those other kinds of targets in the feed so that you're optimizing what she's eating and turning that into milk. So you know, you're pre-planning. You do not wake up one day and have thousands of extra liters of milk unless you put yourself in that position. And with the price of feed and fertilizer and fuel and et cetera, et cetera, it costs a lot of money to feed a cow. So if you know you're not going to get paid for that milk, why are you making it? And I think that loops into something that you and I and maybe briefly talked about off air, which was, was this, a, a, was he doing this on purpose for some sort of reason? Like, is, is that a, a, a common occurrence maybe within the industry to, to gain political or public court of opinion wins? I wouldn't say common, but that would be my guess. Got it. If they want to expand more and there's no quota to be purchased, make a stink. However, never in the video did he say he didn't want to be paid the price he gets paid for milk in Canada. Oh. So the price is set based on the cost of production. Like surveys go, you fill it out, you put all the costs it takes to produce the liter of milk, mm -hmm. and that's what you get paid for it. That is how it works. That's the farm gate price. That is what the farmer gets paid. That is not necessarily the retail price. That's that. Right. Money. Right. Of right. course. And so obviously a, a farm like yours, you know, you deal directly with the suppliers. Um, every province has their own milk marketing board. So technically your milk goes to the board and they distribute it. But like starting off, like we were farmers dairy. So we were shareholders in the co-op of farmers and farmers is now amalgamated into agripure so it's there's a lot of differences in that nova scotia right now but we're still like shareholders in agripure co-op uh -huh. so that's i never understood why it was called a co-op i never knew that farmers were entitled at like equity in in this and in in that portion of the business and scottsburn used to be as well so so scottsburn and baxter's are the other companies here right so scottsburn did a tricky they sold off their milk to Saputo yes. around the Baxter's era of into Saputo, but they kept the ice cream business and they were solo running the ice cream business. But then that didn't go as planned, I guess. And they are now also part of Agapir. So Scottsburn ice cream is Agapir and Scottsburn milk is Saputo. Got so it. that's why they're kind of phasing out the. Now Saputo I know is like a, 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 a conglomerate. Like Saputo is a big business. Yeah. Um, they would also love if we had no quota. Right, so that's what I was just going to say is farmers like yourselves who own shares and equity in AgroPur, do the farmers who are dealing with Saputo have the same treatment? Like, would they be entitled to shares of Saputo? Because that's a public company, if I'm not mistaken. I don't actually know. Oh. I don't think so. I'm pretty sure no, okay. but I could be wrong. Got it. Because, yeah, Saputo feels like a corporation where 
I'm sure Agripur has its corporate uh, it, yeah. feeling, but it seems a little more connected to the And, like, local. they still have a board that are all farmers. Right, where, like, I had a friend work at a hotel where Mr. Saputo, like, checked in. And, he like, the way he carries himself is very hoity-toity. Like, the vibe of the company feels that way, too. Like, he probably doesn't milk cows. Right. Like, he <laughs> wouldn't even know how to step foot up on a farm. Yeah. I'd love to see it. <laughs> Come on down. So is that a beef? In the in the in the industry in the community, like or no. don't care, just do your thing. Until you talk about like who makes the best chocolate milk, and then all bets are off. Who makes the best chocolate milk? Farmers. Really? Oh no! Oh no! I'm so <laughs> sorry, Baxter. Baxter, that's the only one you're not allowed to like. Why am I not allowed Even, to like, like it? Scottsburn's like a segment, but like dirty old Baxter smell. <laughs> Oh, it's because I worked at Shoppers Drug Mart, oh, yeah. and that's what they sold. I'll allow and it. So I would buy, with my discount. <laughs> they all do taste different. I don't know about white milk because I don't drink bought milk. But all right, I've heard people have preferences there also. Oh, I've never really been able to tell, admittedly, with white milk. What's the process like to actually refine your milk? Uh, it's goes in a truck. Yeah, and ours goes to Hammond's Plains to the farmers. Mm-hmm. And oh yeah, it's pasteurized and they do separation so you get your two percent your one percent separate the cream out that's about it and then bottle it and give it to suppliers so does agripure handle the supplying to stores or does that go to a distributor like do they sell it again or did they sell it to the store they go to the distributor like to the store oh they do oh cool interesting yeah i was kind of curious what the handoffs like between like farmer transport getting into stores and and our that all goes through the milk board so they come get it they take it away we get a check got it and so from what i understood um the uh profit margins for dairy farming aren't exactly you know you're not driving out in a benz per se so this is the question obviously us city people um we we talked about this on the show (laughs) don't at me yeah i'm gonna at you all i want bro um we we talked about this where we have a bit of a disconnect between where our food comes from. Oh, um, yeah, 100%. why would you know if you don't know? Like, what purpose do you have to go seek that information out? I it mean, it doesn't annoying. really. Well, it does because you eat, but it doesn't affect your day to day life per right. se. It more eats me up on like, uh, where's my like? I, I get like down that rabbit hole. Where's my food really coming from? Especially when you see like prepackaged meals or things like that. I'm like, mm-hmm. that came from Toronto. Like that got shipped here. But there's farms here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the stuff I'm trying to Which figure out. Which is the out. other part about quota that's nice because we still have dairy here and fresh milk. So, like, 80%, I think, of, like, dairy is in Quebec and Ontario because, like, 80% of the people are there. Right. So, if we don't have quota saying that there's going to be this much milk in each province, who's to say there would be any? Got it. Because if I was... Uh, big business conglomerate guy i'd be like well let's put it all in one place and i'll save money interesting i like local food that's uh, absolutely and we've talked about this multiple times how the pandemic really was like we st- started seeing scarcity sense. and you yeah. were like okay well local places still have offerings and yeah maybe it's a little more expensive but for reasons like that money staying in your community you know a local family feeds their family with that mm-hmm. money so it's a way bigger impact than through Loblaws or through um, Sobeys or something like that, right? Local jobs, local money. Right. What did the arrival and presence of American dairy do to you? There hasn't been so much like fluid milk and stuff coming in, but when they open up the quota, they're normally bringing in like cheese or butter or stuff like that. Okay. So every time they open that up, so that or like the CETA agreement and mm-hmm. give that's literally dollars out of the pockets of everybody who has quota because they're like, mm, we're dropping this by 2%. Well, that's what I noticed is like, I think the company's called Fairlife, mm-hmm. Fairlife Milk. Like the, the milk was available at Costco at one point, I believe, and Superstore. And it was substantially cheaper. Mm-hmm. So the way milk works in the States, they get paid on the world market price. So that ebbs and flows with the market. However... Because of that, it's not always feasible to operate a dairy farm in the stage, which is, like, terrifying. I follow a lot of farmers down there. Oh. I don't know how they sleep at night. Like, it gives me the, that's why they have subsidies and tax dollars and something to the tune of, like, $4 billion with a B went into dairy in the farm bill. 
because to make sure it stayed afloat. Yeah, to make sure that they have that in their country. Oh my gosh! So perhaps you pay more at the grocery store for your milk here, but you're still paying the same amount. Like at the end of the day, they're making the same amount. It's just part of it's coming through subsidy and other government programs. They have some kind of government program that I don't remember the name of, but it kind of sounded like a crop insurance where you could pay this insurance and if the price falls and all of a sudden your margins are gone. It's like gap insurance. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Which is good for them because if not. They'd be uh, underwater. And then I've seen different things on different farms that I follow where all of a sudden there's a new dairy or there's new cows in the area and all of a sudden there's an overproduction and the dairy's like, mm, we can't take your milk anymore as of tomorrow. Bye. Like, that's terrifying. And there's farms down there that are the same as my farm. And they've been there for generations and generations. And they've planned for their kids and learned from their parents and just for it all to go up and smoke for things like that. But I'm gathering. <laughs> so the quote is wildly important. <laughs> and I was way off base. <laughs> oh, it's just an American mail. <laughs> Fair life. <laughs> I twitched. I twitched when you said that. Listen. I like to stir the pot. Okay. There was. There I was like a, a bold. I love a bold statement. He, he corrected himself. He corrected I himself. love a bold yeah. statement. Well, I was waiting for him to be like, "Oh no, no." The- yeah, you cut the <laughs> we'll part talk. out of the TikTok that. No, I didn't. That says me. Oh, I thought you did. No, I definitely did not. Oh, okay. That was the only right. thing that was your redeeming quality in that statement. True. It's only thing saving yeah. the podcast. I know. Oh, dang! Rest in peace. Uh, shooting shots fired out here, yeah, I mean, but we're here for it. We love it. But we, you're right. We don't normally <laughs> Call have. Me out on it. I was wrong. Yeah, love to see it. Yeah. it wasn't your fault. Admittedly, I also yeah, I was looking at it uh, through the optics of a milk consumer rather than yeah, a milk producer, and I was just like, waste things. is bad. Yeah, and in any food, everybody wants cheaper food, cheaper food, cheaper food. Yes, but they don't want us to use any modern science to grow their food. We don't want pesticides. We don't want GMOs. They're modifying things forever. Like, do you think a banana always looked like that? Or a broccoli? There's like seven different plants that came from one plant, and broccoli's now one of them. Uh, my party trick is like explaining why banana-flavored candy tastes that way. It's and so it, bad. That's, what a, that's because it was invented when bananas tasted that way. I'm not here for bananas. Is that true? Yeah. That's disgusting. Who ate those? Yeah, banana-flavored candy is like modeled after, yeah. Wait, so the way bananas taste now are artificially created? Yes. A banana Through back... like, oh, we like this gene, so we're going to yeah. keep this plant, like, and we'll use look, it to breed the next yeah, plant. If you look at what a banana looked like, say, 100-some-odd years ago, it was like all seeds throughout the middle. Like, a banana seed is now minuscule. It's all edible fruit. We've done that with a lot of things. It's the same as no one to buy a crooked cucumber. So bins and bins and bins of them get thrown That's out. That's a thing. So places that grow produce have to separate out the ugly ones because consumers won't buy them. That is insane. So that drives things up. What's with putting cellophane around a cucumber? I have no idea. It's got skin. There's so many layers to get in there. And every time I cut it, I cut the cucumber. Well, I don't understand that. Or like, also, people have a lot of nerve to complain about genetically. Remember when you could buy grapples? Forgot those were things. Yeah. You could buy in a, in a cellophane pack of four for like 10 bucks an apple that tastes like grape. Nobody wants modified anything. And we don't want a crooked cucumber? Dude, that's that. We draw the line there. Yeah. Those are disgusting. All because ugly of emojis. Apples, ugly everything. <laughs> well, yeah. Right. So it's like, is, is that really what drove society to not eat a crooked cucumber? So everything's hideous. We can't eat it. We can only eat pretty produce. And this is why I blame social media. Pretty produce, that's like a, that should be like the tagline of what you shouldn't buy. I feel like pretty produce well, is... Well, some it's, grocery store you can get, and I can't remember what one it is, but you can go in and buy the one. They have a special label because they're ugly, and you can get them for cheaper, I think. Like, give them to me. It's going like, to my stir fry. Yeah, like, I'm like, chopping it up. Like, yeah. I don't care. But all kinds of things like that. But oh, we're worried about the price of milk. Crazy. Also, like... Not to come at poultry farmers. Oh, here we go. Come at them. Because I love them. I do. But whenever we raise the price of milk, based on the current cost of making milk, we have to make an announcement. And it's, oh, milk's going to go up one cent. And everybody loses their marbles. What happens when the price of chicken goes up? And eggs. You go to the store and you go, wow, chicken's expensive. And then nobody talks about it. Like a four-pack of chicken breasts is like $12. It's just disgusting. But like... 
they eat grain. Grain is expensive. Grain is up hundreds and hundreds of dollars a ton from like pre-COVID life. Yeah, blame Ukraine. That's what they say, at least. Oh, I've got another one for Let's that. Go. Yeah, Let's, go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. We had to pay a tariff on fertilizer coming out of Russia where like some huge percentage of the fertilizer comes. Well, Trudeau slapped a tariff on it, even though no one else in the G7 was. And the UN was like, mm, maybe we shouldn't do that. It's to the tune of like $35 million. And there was groups like Grain Farmers of Ontario and Atlantic Grains Council and some of them lobbying the government to get it sent back. And they're sending that to the Federal Minister of Agriculture. And it was going through the house. And last I heard, Trudeau's like, oh, we're probably going to send it to Ukraine, though. $35 million. That was part of the reason your food's now more expensive. And the farmers don't get it? Because fertilizer is twice the price it was two years ago. And you need it to grow food. True. Because if not, you deplete your soils and then they're it, unhealthy. It's interesting we were talking about fertilizer because on another episode we talked about the, the fertilizer debacle. I found you. Yeah. Okay. So so we, we, we I was we, misled. We we <laughs> we, we, we talked about the, the fertilizer stuff and so what I guess I'm what I'm really picking up on is for some reason it appears the government is trying to make farmers look a type of way. So we've gone to a lot of conferences lately where a lot of political people are talking. They're like, oh, no, we don't really want you to decrease your fertilizer use. Like all the other countries that put similar things in now want their people to do. They want to minimize nitrous oxide emissions. So they want right. us to use urease inhibitors and protected nitrogen so that when you're putting the nitrogen down, it's actually staying in the soil and not leaching out. So... Even with manure, if you incorporate manure into the soil, you're hanging on to like 75% of the nitrogen, whereas if you just put it on top, you're only getting like 40%. In some cases, that's not able to be done. In some cases, there's no-till farmers because no one wants us to plow anymore, so they can't incorporate it. Just things like that. So they want to decrease the nitrous oxide emissions, so they came up with this on-farm climate action fund program where they're giving funding and in every province there's a different group distributing it and you can apply for different funds for like the price difference between a regular nitrogen fertilizer and the enhanced product that's going to keep the nitrogen. They'll pay for the different, well, like 75% of the difference once per field if you've never used it on that field. And like on one hand, I get it. There's not like an unlimited amount of money. Like we can't just pay this forever. But if you're only paying for me to put that on, so I can only apply once for one field, if I put that on the same field for 10 years and sequester the same amount of stuff and prevent the same amount of nitrous oxide leaching, you're only gathering the data from that one time I applied it. So we're substantially doing a better job than they're going to be gathering from, yeah. And it all has to go in and like... You know, it is a good thing. It's something. It's better than nothing. Of course. But I feel like it could have been. A little more fair. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I mean, like, I remember all the stuff I was saying. What get, gained the headlines through that whole thing was all, all the stuff that was coming out of Saskatchewan. Mm. Oh, yeah. And then measuring the levels and this, that, the I other. love Saskatchewan. I can imagine just because their, government, their provincial government is actually protecting their farmers. I was there this summer for a wedding. I was talking to some guys there about it, and they were like, yeah, we don't care. The government's going to protect us. I was like, oh. What's that like? <laughs> I was like, do you have room for me and some cows? <laughs> Build a barn in one of your fields? No, because you've got to stay on that 1,000 acres. Yeah, yeah you can leave. never leave. <laughs> Trapped. Yeah. Um, but, like, is, is, the, um, is our government, our provincial government, the Houston government, doing anything for y'all, or is they too scared and just want to play ball with the federal government? I can't decide because mm-hmm. this was all kind of happening and they didn't really have a say in it because right. it's federal. Yeah. But Cause what's what, one provincial is a bold stance for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying is like someone's standing up for the people. Yeah. This takes me back to the whole stuff that happened a couple of years ago with the Elizabeth McCross and stuff. Yes. I listened to that episode. Hey, oh. let's go. Oh, I like her. Yeah, she's awesome. Oh, yeah. Right? I was like, Oh my God, she was wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right, and so and that was the thing is like, and then she won her oh, race absolutely because the people the pe- knew she cared exactly. People knew what she was about. It didn't matter what people in Halifax viewed her mm-hmm. because of what the media was doing. And so I would love to, you know, if there's anybody in government 
who was just a little bit afraid of the media, whether it be CTV, Global News, CBC, and how they're going to dress you up. Just know your people know who you are. Yeah. And, they, and take a stand for your people. We have enough people. Come but, on. Because I was in New Brunswick the day that the border closed for work and was trying to, gonna, kinda, going to try to come back across, and obviously you couldn't get through on the highway. So I went over to, like, Kidnish. Oh, yeah. Wherever. And took, like, the number four, whatever it is. Like. So we looped in, and there was, like, four pickup trucks and ten guys there and, like, some other people. They were, like, standing there. So we got out of the truck. I'm like, so, like, what's the deal? Like, they're just, like, a four-way. And they were like, look, like, I'm sorry to hold you up. And I kind of explained what we were doing. They're like, what are you doing? I was like, just trying to go home. I was visiting farms in New Brunswick for work. Like, can you tell me if I'm going to be able to get through or if I should backtrack to Moncton and get a hotel? I was like, look, I don't want to hold you up. I think your work's great. We're just trying to prove a point here today. So if you could wait for like 15 minutes, we'll get you through. Like, okay. Because these people just want to go to the regular grocery store. Yeah. Now, like some of the people on the highway were not these nice people that I encountered who of just course. wanted to go back to their regular life. Fair yeah. I did get a good giggle out of the Ranklin memes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're classic. Those are great. My summer students didn't think it was as funny when I giggled about it the whole way home. <laughs> they're like, why are you laughing, boomer? <laughs> Because it's funny. <laughs> it's a classic. <laughs> yeah, that was the thing. Is, and of course, you got the close-ups of the, of the people who were making a bit of you know, more of a stink and causing Those are the people issues. that get views. Get the yes. Clicks. Nobody wants to take a camera out to this poor guy that wants to go to his regular soapies. No one cares. They're like, whatever. Yeah. But the crazy people yelling, yeah. People it's good want to watch that. It's good TV. Yeah. Yeah. We love trauma. It's the people going. <laughs> Which is, you know, our, our go-to statement here on the show. And that's... Literally, the show it only landed exists. you in this scene. Yeah. <laughs> it got the people going, and we're here for it. Uh, so I think those it makes a, a great point. And I've always been curious of the battle that's been going on between farmers and the government in general, and kind of hearing. We only hear obviously tidbits through the media ourselves here, being in the city. Um, we're just like really shreds. Yeah, very small, obviously, and we're just curious, like what. Is it like, obviously you don't speak for all farmers, the face of all farmers right here. Um, but just in general, from your experience, face of all farmers. Oh, true. That's not allowed. <laughs> we don't want women farmers. In the face. No, we don't want that. Right. God, your, no. your grandma is just like, nah. <laughs> um, but just in general, like from your experience, I'm getting an idea as we've talked, I'm getting an idea where you kind of lean on things. Um, but what will he, if it seems like there's a lot of pushing going on, you know, farmer do this, farmer do that. At what point do you, are you, you know, going to take it? Like, like how far can you be pushed? I was at a conference last week in PEI and they had Sean Haney from Real Agriculture there giving a presentation about like geopolitical things and agriculture in the country. And of however many farmers that they spoke to across the country, there was a 2% rate of people who thought the federal government was going to help them. Two percent of farmers surveyed, and I forget the provincial rate. Like it didn't break it down by province. It was like, do you think? You're, and it was higher, but I want to mm -hmm. say it was like five, ten. It like it was not that not much a higher. Substantial amount, but like two percent federal government approval. So, this is going to be not farming related, but just curious your perspective. You don't have to answer this because I know your job might be on the line. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, boss. <laughs> um, but like, how, how do you feel when you see, you know, a very small piece of Ontario that controls the results of our elections when you have just a sea of other perspectives around them that want something else? It's complicated because like the voice of the people has to matter. But how do you feel about that if the voice of the people in general doesn't understand your life? And like our federal government right now, I mean... That being said, I have a liberal MP who I actually think is great. But in general, the federal, Trudeau specifically, huge gap between that government and rural Canada as a whole. And not that rural Canada is the same the whole way across, but like as a whole, huge gap. Right. Like it's it was, alarming. It was one of his cabinet members that was talking about how you should just get rid of your vehicle and bike and walk everywhere. Yeah. And, but they live in downtown Toronto. Like, where can I bike? Yeah. I bike, right I bike. I can't leave my property. <laughs> you just do circles. Like, there's nothing in biking distance. And there are people who live way more on the boonies than me. Right. Like, 
relatively close to things. I can't bicycle there. Okay, what are you going to do? Take an EV? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, seriously, though. Like, even the distance, like, these people have to go. Like, EVs it's aren't going to do the job. It is true. It's not going to do the job. And in our winters, like, it's... It's winter half the year. Yeah, it's and cold. It, we just talked about how my roads don't get plowed sure. often. And we know how Teslas do. Yeah. Yeah, I can't drive that. <laughs> Rip. Uh, I need to go where the plow stops. 100%. I need an SUV. I need a truck. Especially when your electric range cuts in half in the winter, Don. That's what it's I like, mean. Oh, it's because fun. the battery gets so cold. But hey, it's the future. Sure. Has anyone ever, and this is a totally random question, has there been a... A government body, a, a private body, pitching electric farming equipment. Like, is that a thing? Not to my knowledge. Okay, yeah. I don't think that's, like, is it, is even, it possible even possible? Yet? I don't well, know. Well, that's what I've always said. I'm like, you will impress me with an electric tractor. Right. There's methane-powered tractors that you can use methane gas for mm-hmm. that I think are, like, expensive, but exist. And that's, I mean, though they're no probably expensive, it's a great lifestyle, life cycle. Nobody's come knocking with an electric tractor yet. Like, that's what I mean is, like, yeah, we, the future is, EV, what do you want to eat? Because like, far, farmers are using diesel-powered equipment. What do you mean? Like, we we need it. Like, am I going to go hand-hoe a garden to feed 20,000 people? What has the uh, gas pricing done to your business? Obviously, it increased in expenses, but how serious was it? It would be like, I want to say like $400 more, more to fill like the tank of a tractor with diesel. Wow. And how often are you refilling a tank on a tractor in your peak season? Peak season, like you're going steady. Like you might burn almost a tank in a day. I mean, that would be like excessive. That would be like a day. So you said it was $400 more. What is the original amount? Like Over a thousand? Under a thousand? Probably over. Oh, wow. But I mean, there's not the little money ticker on the tank of the farm. You of just, course. You fill it up and get a bill. You click it and it clicks off. It's yeah. done and... And then it comes in the mail and everyone cries. Right. And then you get a big invoice from, yeah. from the company. Got it. Uh, but still, that's. And then, so like food, farmers need diesel to grow your food. Yes. Truckers need diesel to move your food. All kinds of food processing facilities use natural gas or oil or whatever to run. So yeah. you're paying for this extra fuel like four separate times by the time your food gets to you because everything goes up in increment. So not only is there some sort of fuel along the way. There's now a carbon tax on all four of those fuels. Yes. We love that. That's totally going to fix everything. Isn't that interesting how that's like tax, 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 get an electric vehicle. I heard, <laughs> I want to say it was an MP, but it could have even been an MLA from Cape Breton or somewhere talking about the carbon tax and how like everybody would think it was great there because Fiona just came and. Oh yeah. Sean Matt Whitman. <laughs> No, it was. I know. I'm just teasing. Screw my women. <laughs> but no, 100%. I believe that was Fraser because he brought that up. Yeah, He's from Picto. Um, but he brought it up. It's like, you know, talk about Fiona's went through my community and ripped, ripped through Cape Breton. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure maybe an MLA said the same thing up there. I as well. honestly have no but idea who it was. I do, I just, I do remember the speech. Fiona so. was a buzzword, though, in politics for a minute. Yeah. 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 And the federal government will match whatever half of you donate or right. some nonsense of no money the government go fund me yeah <laughs> great thanks yeah. i was over i had a lot of clients on pei mm-hmm. decimated like mm. decimated we were just there this past weekend the amount of uprooted trees that are still, still there are all over the province alarming and like the roots are like the size of small homes yeah, they're huge. Yeah. Like some of these trees that went down have been there forever. Uh-huh. And like barns blew down and I saw so many collapsed homes that are still just and, like barns blew down and a farmer showed up to help get the cows out, you know, who didn't show up anyone else. Right. Meanwhile in New Glasgow, the they people. had the <laughs> Yeah, where were you then? <laughs> Dang. I did not think first. <laughs> Don't worry, we don't either. <laughs> but the New Glasgow police had enlisted the government, like the military police, to come direct traffic while the power was down in New Glasgow. I did not know that. And I, yeah, because we were there, because I have a property there, so we were there that day specifically. And this military police officer was like, to me, to like stop me, and I was like, are, are, they, are, we, under a, are we under attack? <laughs> like, is this it? 
in New Glasgow, <laughs> and China's this is where they came. And he was just directing traffic. I thought, what they sent you from Ottawa or wherever you're from to direct traffic? That was the best use of your day. What? what? Like it got. Meanwhile, there were towns that were under all of the trees, homes washed away, and you were in New Glasgow directing traffic. I couldn't Fitting. believe it. I couldn't believe it. Lost traffic I, in New I know, that one road gets really busy. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. But it was just a, where everybody the priorities latched lie, on. You can and, see, yeah. But like some places got, I was down October, Annigan-ish, like doing some mm-hmm. sampling at farms. And there was cornfields on cornfields on cornfields that they just couldn't get to in time to harvest. Flattened. Oh. Flattened. I was in one that was so flat, it kind of intermingled instead of all going one way. So they tried to harvest it this direction. They tried to go this way. They couldn't get it. They could not pick it up to harvest. That happened to so many people that had like really good, like it was a good corn growing year. And they were like, yeah, yeah, it's going to be a great crop. Like this is going to help with all the feed prices going up. I'm going to make my own corn. Nope. So you want to hear the most city response to that right now? Always. As I caught like how tough that was on the farmers during the churro haunted corn maze. When there was no corn standing up. I was like, bro, what happened to the oh, corn, bro? yeah. What happened out here? Where's my Halloween fun? <laughs> I see the disbelief you? over there. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe you just said that, Josh. 100% I'm exposing myself. Touch some grass. Yeah. <laughs> Get out of the city. <laughs> Seriously, figure it out, Josh. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I, I'm a huge supporter of our farmers. And because I know I can't do this on my own. And there's a part of me. <laughs> Woo! And uh, we're here for all the love and the roasts. So yeah, that's you're like an official guest now. Like yeah. that was it. You're roasting us. Yeah. You're, you're, you're on. Once a month, we'll yeah. have you on. There yeah. you go. How, how's the season going so far? Yeah. <laughs> little farmer check in. Yeah, 100%. I do because you brought up a little bit earlier. You talked about how you kind of follow some of these farmers down in the states. Are oh. you following any farmers during this whole Ohio stuff? What's going on with the oh, environmental the spill and all that jazz? I don't think any of the ones that I follow have posted anything about it. Okay. I must not have any. That's fair. Mm. It wild, man. I completely looks thought. terrifying. Mm-hmm. What's terrifying is that like, three people are talking about it. <laughs> Out of the yeah. entire United States, there's like three Which people. makes me more scared than if everyone was talking about it. Because I'd be like, okay, well, they're telling us things. But like. Why are you talking? No one of, talking makes me very nervous. Some sort of fluoride that is wildly carcinogenic. Oh, cool. And it's just like. Just puffing into the air. Like. Well, well, the thing that scares me the most about it is Joe Biden coming out and saying, yes, they are safe to breathe. And then you look and all these chickens have died. All the fish on the stream are gone or de- dead. And it's like within minutes. I don't like people what's going on. Like, it was like almost instant. Well, yeah. Now your chicken breast going up 20 bucks per now. Yeah. Cause now it, yeah. So it's like, uh, yeah, the, you're right. It's the, no one talking about it. That's wildly concerning. Yeah. And I wish I did more research into to talk about it tonight, but I just haven't. But it is spooky. I will say that. And the big what old sort cloud. Of research? <laughs> uh, the big old cloud floating around. There's a couple things I saw where. Um, Apparently, there's a lot of things on TikTok. People say. Yeah, because people had ring footage of the train going by their home. Because somebody sent me one. I was like, have you looked into this? I'm like, no, I don't have time. Like, I'm busy. Yeah. I got jobs to do. Yeah, I got like, cows to do. I got two jobs. Care. I don't get time for this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. It, Someone asked to give me the cliff notes later. True. <laughs> yeah, can someone summarize all the TikToks? <laughs> Please. I know. Chat GPT. Get a student. Be like a summer student. Oh, like an intern. Keep the keep the money in the community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Buy local. <laughs> Buy local. Yeah. That's all right. That's the model. Buy local kids. <laughs> Wayfair like. Oh my god. Those ones are not local. <laughs> They're imported. <laughs> oh shoot. Okay, that's, all, that's good to know. Um, so, I will say this. So, you're saying the quota system works and works well. I do find this interesting in terms of farming. I don't fully understand the culture behind this. Something I've noticed mainly in like Nova Scotia rural culture is there's a, these areas are like quote unquote conservative, um, but they have such like a trust and like belief in government, which is not a care conservative quality typically um so i'm just like curious where that comes from have you has your family always been like government will take care of us we're gonna be okay has that like been a thing or i don't know i don't think per se but mm-hmm. i also think that's changed a lot in i don't know my lifetime mm-hmm. 
So my dad always talks about when he was like young and first voting or whatever, there'd be a couple old guys sitting outside whatever community hall you went to vote in. And as people came in, they'd know who they were, who they were related to. And they'd have like a tally, like, oh, they vote liberal, they vote conservative. And they'd know who was going to win the riding based on this. They'd be wow. like, oh, well, our polls were. <laughs> because our private poll. <laughs> you're from this family, so you vote that way. And like now I feel like it's less. Right. See, we don't talk about it ever. Like, no, like, you know, I mean, we talk about it probably too much. But, yeah, like, like between friends now, it's like you don't even really talk about it. Yeah, Because everybody's got such. Everything's gone so far left or right that everybody's scared to say the wrong thing to the wrong person. It's wildly polarizing. But, like, I don't totally understand that because unless you're, like, murdering children, I don't really care what your beliefs are. Yeah. As long as you don't care about my, like, vegans. You don't care about, yeah. <laughs> I don't care what <laughs> vegans eat as long as they don't care what I eat. Right. Yeah. Mind your business. Do you face... Me obviously, I'm sure, I'm sure you must, but I, I guess I'm, I've never been privy to someone who could explain the magnitude of the recoil or blowback you get from non-meat eaters or non-dairy consumers. Like, is there a, is it really that bad? Like, obviously on the internet people, like, they make jokes, but is it that serious? Like, is there people Nothing petitioning? personally happened to me, but I've seen a lot of things about, like, protests at farms, and Dang. someone, this is like a fourth-hand story, someone I know, you know love someone, telephone games. <laughs> <laughs> who took, like, a photography course. <laughs> <laughs> I promise I'm going somewhere. And in this photography course, they made a friend. And the friend was like, oh, my gosh, you have a farm. That's great. And, like, came and took what looked to be incriminating pictures of the farm. Like, faked a friendship to get there. Yikes. And, like, I talked about this with my coworker when we were interviewing students. Because, like, when you go onto a farm, if you don't understand things, it might look scary. I mean, not scary. That's a terrible word to use. But, like, no. If you have 300 people, one's going to die. If you have 300 cows, one's going to die. Like, mm -hmm. livestock, dead stock, things die. And, like, it doesn't always look pretty. Mm -hmm. And if the wrong person sees that, you can, like, take Photoshop and whatever and make it look horrifying. I mean, I'll be honest. That was actually the one thing with the video that started this whole show um, was, like, just the systems that are linked up to these cows. Like, to me the person who doesn't understand jack it just like it just look it does look spooky yeah i'm mm. like i'm like are these cows okay this is a this is a factory up in here what's going on so like i wish i had a picture our farm we have freestyle barn big it's open we had to build a new one because part of it collapsed in the snow in 2015 so oh, rest it's in like fresh so it's huge it's spacious it's like the ceilings are massive like there's airflow there's retracting curtains for depending on the temperature outside and what you want the temperature inside to be and the cows all have their own little beds with their cushy little bedding and they get up they have a 24 7 buffet they hang out with their little friends and they have friends some of them are mean girls they'll be like you can't eat there oh, i want to eat there you need to move <laughs> Move. There is a head bitch in charge in every barn. <laughs> and then they drink water and they lay down for like two thirds of the day and just hang out. I'm jealous. Right? Like, I have to go to work. Yeah. <laughs> I pay to beat you. <laughs> like, what is this? And they have, so they show up to work for like three hours a day, maybe. <laughs> show up, get milked. Leave. Go hang out with their friends. That's okay. Seems like a teenager good. working a part-time job. Seems pretty good. They sleep and eat and show up for three hours. That's good life. That seems fair. I mean, yeah. And they and, the, and they live in the free-range life. Yeah. You know. So. Look at your heels up in the summer when the grass grows. You don't want fresh air. I'm wow. jealous. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. Makes sense. Um, I do know, like, people... Post, like there's been some, like some spooky stuff maybe with poultry farms down in the states and like how awful they treat the livestock down there um what's it like up here say in nova scotia when it comes to, like these different farming the farming situations are do farmers kind of just like checking on each other making sure that they're treating cattle right and whatever or how's that all work i mean there's not like an official check-in but there's so dairy farmers there's like 200 or 220 farms in the province so they all know each other right so if i have a farm and you have a farm and I find out you're beating your cows. I'm telling all the neighbors and all of a sudden everybody knows and they're like, he probably shouldn't be here. Like he can't sit with us. Right. Because, and I was like, yeah. not that there's not horrible people who are farmers. There are horrible people in every profession, I'm sure. Like statistically. Yeah. But even if you're in general a terrible person, you're probably not treating your animals horribly 
because they're not going to make you any money. If you mm. treat them horribly, they're not going to milk. If they're mean animals, you treat them horribly, they're not going to put on weight. Like you're losing money by treating them bad. So even if you're like a real terrible person, you probably still want to make money. Right. Yeah. That's fair. So this is my last question I'm going to make about the quotas <laughs> is because like I, I understand the system. I understand what, to the degree you've made a good argument of why it should exist. Um, but the, the economist in me, it's still like, it just doesn't sit well with me that the government isn't that much in control of how our system works. And you're saying, I just want to clarify You're saying if the quota system is not in place, like we're more susceptible to famine, potentially, um, we're more susceptible to like waste in that way. Is that correct? Yes. Gotcha. Then you can't predict what the market's going to be. You can't predict the supply. Nor can I, in a country where it snows six months of the year, probably compete with someone in New Zealand for the price. So I did an internship in New Zealand. I was there for three months and I visited a lot of farms and wicked farming system. Like they don't even need walls on their milking parlor. They just have a roof in like a field where the cows come in to get milk because it's never winter. They never have to bring them in. They just move to a different paddock all the time. They don't need this huge infrastructure that we have to have. Because it's winter half the year and you can't just like, oh, see a cows. Hope you come back to get milked through six feet of snow. Right. True. Fair. So like somewhere like that where you don't have. So because of that, we have to store feed for the winter. We have to make enough food in the summer to feed the cows until it's summer again. Somewhere where the grass grows all year round. You don't necessarily have to do that. Right. So by having the quota, you can predict your business supplies as well. And then because of that, the dairy industry pays for itself. No tax dollars pay for the dairy industry. It is a self-sustaining industry. So because of that, there's all these spin-off industries like processing or like my job as an egg consultant or feed reps or nutritionists. Like nutritionists aren't spending as much time on a beef farm. Right. Of, of course. I mean, yeah. There's less to calculate. You know what puts weight on, you know what doesn't. Right. Yeah, there's only one end goal there. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So all these spinoff industries exist because the dairy industry is self-sustaining. Might I add, one of the few industries, admittedly, like when you look at it on a broad scale, like the, there's a lot of government intervention and a lot of government, um, not buyouts, but like, I guess buyouts or... Airlines. Yeah, like where they... yeah where, Automakers. Right. So, exa- literally. Oh. <laughs> like these corporate, I'll use the word buyouts or whatever, where... They intervene to save these businesses from going under. we need jobs, really. At the end right. of the day, we need jobs. And so it's, I think, actually a huge accolade that an entire industry across an entire country is self-sustained. Just leave us alone. Yeah. <laughs> Just let us do our thing. So your, your, your one request is give us the quota. The quota's good. Other than that, we're, we're good. Like, we're just hanging out. And, like, sometimes, to be honest, the process of getting the price increased legs. Like, our costs will be up for a significant period of time before all the data is gathered, but what our costs are, and it's all put together to make an increase. So for a long period of time, depending on the situation, we're working on decreased margins till it's caught up. What is the time period between being caught up and the next? Like, is there an average of how long you finally get caught up to when you then again need to readjust? Because <laughs> Not you're, anymore. It's almost you're always behind the Everything's gone crazy. Like, Right now, we've like we finally caught up. It's like, okay, are we going to catch a break? Right. Are things going to stay steady? But like the price of everything is insane. Like fertilizer, I keep going back to fertilizer. Yeah. A lot of things are like twice as much. And now there's a couple things that we're not even going to like specialized products that we're not even going to be able to get this year because they come out of Russia. And even last year, different places, based on when they'd placed their order, if the ship had already arrived, if the ship was unloaded already yeah they didn't get all their supply and there were shortages of things and with chemistry so like your pesticides and your fungicides that happened a lot where there was just products that all of a sudden we couldn't get so we just had to make do without them and be like "Hmm, hope we have good weather for the crops and don't need fungicides or hope this weed doesn't show up this year that's been here every year since the dawn of time wow so what's the what's the summer going to be like for y'all I, oh, yeah. I hope okay. Yeah. Predicted to be around the same as like last year. Right. Maybe some more slight increases, but right. 
that's a, that was the one thing kind of I've heard was like, you know, this year was pretty rough with a lot of the increases, but what I kept hearing was don't worry, the following year is when it's really, it's going to get really That's bad. farming. Yeah. It's like, oh, the next year will be bad. Or there'll be a good year in five years. We just got to get to the good year. But like. And is, the, is, that <laughs> good, is that good year so wildly lucrative that it does come out in the wash? I haven't found out yet. Oh, you're still on the hunt. <laughs> well, it's like, so we have blueberries too. Right. So right. blueberries highly dependent on the weather. It's not like you can go protect a blueberry field. So like a few years ago, there was a really late frost that killed off like a huge percentage of them. It'll be better next year. It'll be better next year. And like we had a string of like moderately decent to poor years when I was like growing up. And I'm like, why do we do this? Like, when, when is it going to be good? good year? And they're like, oh, you don't remember the good years. You weren't old enough. I'm like, <laughs> So, like, since then, there have been a few, and I know they exist now, but, like, I was not a believer. So, you, like, have a party. Like, it's like you're taking pictures. Like. We're like, guys, like, we might make money this year. Do you guys just break So, anything? are you, yeah, or do you even, or is it at a loss? There was, I can't remember if it was the same year as the frost, but a few years ago, when things were up and production was bad, a lot of, because blueberries is the weirdest industry, because... So low bush blueberries only grow in the Maritimes and like Quebec and Maine. That's it mm-hmm. in the world. Wow. So they were originally wild. We kind of cultivated them. We fertilize them. We take care of them now. It, we're making like 10 times the berries that we used to back in when my grampy started. Right. So a lot of guys have like 10 acres that they just have because their dad had it and they're now 90. And they're like, yeah, can you pick my blueberries? I don't know. And it's just a hobby. Like, they just own it to own it. Mm-hmm. And most of those guys didn't pick because they weren't going to make the money back for picking. Like, to pay for the harvest on the years like that. Right. Which is terrifying. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's tough. Tough game. And that's why a lot of people, guys, don't do it. It's because they're just like, Not oh, for the faint of heart. I'd say. It's, it's hard. Yeah, I'd say. Difficult. And, uh, and again, we live in a culture where it's always about lavish luxuries. You know, that's, you just, that's not going to happen as a farmer. Just the reality. Unless you pull some strings, I guess. But she, she, she knows I'm banking on winning the lottery. And uh, I'll just use that to buy the farm out. And I'll just farm for free. Let's go. Right. Are you, also, are you also paying a mortgage on the farm? Well, I'll have to buy it if I want oh. to take over. Really? That is the you retirement for the farmer. Is the next generation purchasing the business. Oh, in right. most cases, that's what, kept, yeah. that's what keeps it sustainable, though. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So you sell your quota, yeah, and your land, etc. So down the generation. Are in you, lucky cases, people have got far enough ahead that they can just gift it off. Right. Are you, are you the next in line? So right now, nobody wants to retire, right. ever, because they're not old. Yeah. Um. So my brother's at the farm full time, and another one, one of my cousins, and I are both kind of there part time. And all three of us would kind of like to be involved at this stage. Mm. Oh, wow! Well, Form like a one company to like buy it all out kind of thing. And so we'll we'll see how that exactly pans out. But totally, that's cool. Well, we wish you luck. I hope <laughs> hope it all works out. And yeah. like, do we we have an invite to come up to this farm at some point? Oh, we we, come see we won't take we won't take oh, yeah. photos. <laughs> yeah, we yeah we won't start a smear campaign. No cameras. <laughs> yeah. Leave your electronics at the driveway yeah. oh, dang, we, so we can't vlog about this <laughs> shoot yeah, as long as there's no editing oh true yeah, photoshop I mean. yeah. <laughs> only if you make it look better yeah. oh, oh, you mud. can't be good with both you have to be uh, mad it's at both sides it's and gross outside like, nobody wants to see that <laughs> they want it to be lush and green and not like it was just 15 degrees in we February put a, we put a beach <laughs> in the background <laughs> Yeah, we got you. We'll take care of it. If I'm on the beach, look, it's so nice. The cows go for a swim. <laughs> it's just one great resort over here. <laughs> Come on down. You get used it's to the a, it's smell. It's a barnuminium. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Well, before we finish off, do you have any like last words you want the people to know? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Ty Domi was awesome. Shout Ty Domi to- was a legend, <laughs> and he doesn't get enough credit. Dang. That the was best TV. our last words. That was television. <laughs> That's what we call entertainment. That's a good show. That's a dang good show. Well, thank you all so much for joining us. Whatever it is you're doing, whether you be taking on the farm. Oh, I was going to say farming or um, farming. I don't know. I don't know. I'm stuck. You go. Or I can move it out.
We're being muted. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it is you're doing. Wherever you are. We love we're you. We're out. Peace. <laughs>